Guru Nation, welcome to episode 399 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. This is Dan Sfera. You know, it's always nice when we can zoom in on a topic because we do a lot of general overview things and we do zoom in and out here and there because I think it's important to get a good lay of the land uh, from a, a bird's eye view as well as from deep in the trenches. So this is one of the deep in the trenches one. This is gonna be about the process of consent. So the process of informed consent. And this was taken from one of our Site Owner Academy presentations. So if you're interested in that, text me 949-415-6256. We help sites all the time uh, set up their sites, get studies, do the budgets and contracts for them, create SOPs, source documents, all those things. So definitely check that out. Text me if you're interested, 949-415-6256. We'll be happy to have a conversation with you about that. Also check out my Patreon channel, patreon.com slash Links are in the show notes. It's only five bucks a month. We have a monthly mastermind every single month where we work on building our personal and or business brands. And it's a lot of career development type of stuff and personal uh, mindset type of stuff. So things that I can't really put on YouTube because I have a clinical research brand, so I'm not trying to dilute that brand. But for all the business-minded people out there, or the people interested in growing their careers or their companies using digital marketing strategies and tactics, patreon.com slash Uh CRA Academy, CRC Academy, links in the show notes. I appreciate everyone supporting the book. It's been doing solid, solid numbers on Amazon consistently. The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. Check it out. Tell a friend if you haven't already. And enjoy this episode on process of consents. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Site Owner Academy session for this week. This week, we're talking about process of consent and clinical research. It's one of the most important by far far, I think, in my opinion, the most important thing in clinical research that a site will ever do, uh, and it's the process of consent. And I don't think there's anything more important than this in research, because this informed consent clearly explains to subjects that research is experimental and research is not necessarily treatment. Even though there's treatment aspects to it, the research itself is research. That's why it's called research and not called treatment. Right? It's experimental in nature. There are some studies that are more treatment than others, but all clinical trials are under the category of research. And so this informed consent form is really, and the process of consent, is really the only way that sites are able to communicate this and document this. Uh, so, so communicate it to the patient and document it to the FDA and other regulators that the correct process of consent was accomplished and, and was conducted. So I, it, the temptation is for site owners, especially new site owners, uh, to not focus on this, but to instead focus on numbers and how many patients we can enroll. And it makes sense because, of course, most sites need revenue to be self-sustaining. But there's nothing 
that is going to get you shut down faster for a particular study than making mistakes on the process of consent. I mean, it's one of the first things. It's even considered a safety issue by the IRB if it's not done properly. And you may be asking yourself, well, how is a piece of paper a safety issue? Well, the entire form is a safety thing because you're explaining all the risks associated with the study. So if you don't do that properly, then the argument is you don't have patient safety in consideration. This is a huge, huge issue. The biggest thing that the FDA looks at, in addition to PI oversight, and this is part of PI oversight, is the process of consent. And it's the first thing a CRA is going to look at when they come to the site for a new new screenings. I completely agree with you. I, I think there's differing opinions on what's the most important aspect of research, at least from the patient perspective and FDA. And I think that the ICF would be uh, the most important factor. It, as you said, it's a, a safety issue. The patient needs to be fully informed of what they're getting themselves into. And, and this goes back decades where this originated because there were things done that weren't exactly uh, proper informed consenting. Um, so this has taken on a very, um, I wouldn't say very, I would say it's taken on the most important aspects of, of research in terms of uh, participation by, by human beings. Um, human beings have a right to know what they're getting themselves into. Um, and that, right. wasn't always, that wasn't always the case. So it's definitely become the most important aspect, at least in, in your opinion and mine. <clears throat> uh, absolutely. So I guess we could go to the next slide because that was a good introduction. So when you, if you're a site owner, obviously you are maybe taking on the role of a CRC when you're starting out, or maybe you're at the point where you're hiring a CRC. In either case, you need to know this, and so does your coordinator. Okay, so a clinical research coordinator must make sure that patients have an understanding about the study they are enrolling into. This is important because usually it's the coordinator who arranges all of this, right? The coordinator usually schedules the patient to come in, and now really is when the ICF process starts. And this is why your SOP needs to be followed. And by the way, if you don't have a process of consent SOP, you need one immediately. You, They will ask for it at every site selection visit. Uh, and then if you create one, which you should, you need to, you need to start following it. So if you're putting in your process of consent SOP that before patients come in to do their screening visit, they are given a copy to take home with their family, and you're not actually doing that and documenting that this is being done, that's a finding, right? So you need to be careful what you put in this process of consent. Basically, the bottom line is you need to make sure that it's documented, that the patient clearly understands the informed consent. They clearly understand the studies, all risks, benefits, potential side effects of the trial. They understand that it's voluntary. They understand that it's not treatment. They understand that there are alternatives, alternative treatment options to this study. They understand that there may be alternative studies for them. And all has to be documented. And 
it has to be also be documented that they had enough time to review and ask questions with either, and this is where your SOP needs to be, um, needs to allow for either of these options, either with the investigator or with the coordinator. And you need to follow this. This is the key takeaway message for this ICF process. You need to document each time a patient comes in to sign the ICF, what they did, all these things that I just mentioned, what setting they were in, how much time did they have to spend on it, what questions did they ask. It doesn't hurt to put details. What questions did this patient ask? They're all going to ask different questions. Put some detail in there. What do you think about this, Chris? Um, certainly. Uh, and I would say for research, somewhat research naive sites, if you're creating your own SOP, just make sure to include everything specified by a typical GCP certification program. Um, typically, those, you know, most GCP uh, certifications go into great detail on what should be included in the ICF process. So make sure to just include those steps in your SOP. Um, but yeah, Dan's, Dan's correct. If, they, if the patient has questions, there's nothing wrong with including that in the process, the, the note in regards to the process of consent with that patient. The, the patient asked such and such question and adequate response given or the actual response, whichever. Um, yeah. there's, nothing wrong. there's nothing wrong with details. Yes, and I saw some sites, so that they don't forget to document the process, use a checklist. You know, it has a process of consent checklist. Did the, was the patient in a, cri a private room? Check. Was the patient able to ask questions? Check. Who uh, Was the patient with the PI or CRC? Check. Uh, they have a checklist, so you can either write a note to file or like a progress note, literally writing out a few paragraphs of what happened during the informed consent process, or you can have a checklist, but to not have anything is a problem. And make sure that what you're writing or what's on the checklist is consistent with your SOP. And both are equally acceptable, the checklist or writing the progress note. Both are acceptable. Um, most sites do find a checklist uh, relatively easier work with, but either is fine. Either is fine. And the bottom line here is make sure whatever, whether it's a checklist or whether you're writing a paragraph or two, that it's consistent with what's in your SOP for the process of consent. I can't repeat that enough. Here's an example, Chris. This is a real example I encountered as a monitor, actually. Okay. So IRB approved consent form does not require every page on the ICF to be initialed and dated for this particular study. The IRB came out and said, we don't need this, okay? Just they're going to sign on uh, the certain pages where they need a signature, but it's not required that every page is initial and dated by the subject, right? Which may happen. Some IRBs say that you don't need to do that. You don't need to sign and date every page. I would say, will say you have to. Yeah, I would say 50% do not require that. 50% do, 50% do not. Right. So this one did not. And when I was monitoring, I noticed this. So then I asked the site to see their process of consent SOP. 
And guess what it said? Well, this one page, page. Yeah. Yes. The, the site SOP said every page will be initial and dated by subject, but the site was not doing this for this study because the IRB didn't require it. So if the FDA comes in and sees that, they're going to say you're not following your SOP. So yeah, I had this conversation with the PI, and I said, look, your SOP, you either need to change your SOP to have the wording something like we will follow the IRB guidelines for each study as far as ICF process, or you need to actually have the patient's initial and date every page. Yep. All right, that's a finding. So we got that. As a CRA, I, I you know, thankfully, I, I noticed that, and I made it an issue, and I think the site ended up revising their SOP. Uh, so th these are important things, guys. You, you may think you're doing everything properly, and the FDA may may beg to differ. Yeah, so, I would really agree. Second bullet point is exactly what I'm talking about. ICF is one of the first things an auditor or a clinical research associate will look at during their visits. Absolutely correct. It's extremely important. And the process of consent is what they're looking at. So slide three. You I would add, slide three? well, I would add to that. No, I was just going to add to that second bullet point. Um, it's the first thing a CRA will look at, even if they're taking over the study for a previous CRA. Usually, in that case, the CRAs will overlook all the previous uh, ICFs that the other CRA was responsible for. It's that important. Just to make sure yeah. that the previous CRA was re reviewing these things correctly. All right. So what a CRA needs to know about consent. CRAs must make sure that sites are following their own standard operating procedures for obtaining consent. And Dan very, uh, very admirably already went over all of this and he's absolutely correct. Um, as a site, you need to make certain you're following your, your SOPs in terms of consent. Because it is a finding by the FDA, should you not be, or even a sponsor on it, it's going to be a finding. Uh, that's not nearly as serious as an FDA finding, but it, it's a finding, and you want to avoid these. Um, second bullet point, is it, it, it is important for CREs to ask the site to verbalize the consent process during the early stages of the site initiation visit. And that's also true. Matter of fact, uh, kind of a funny story. Um, at one of the sites Dan and I own, um, we had hired a new uh, investigator. And it oh, looks like we lost Dan. Oh, no, somebody joined. Anyhow, um, so uh, we had a, a research naive PI that we had recently hired who, uh, as the as I stated, research naive, and they were definitely research naive. So we had a site selection visit for this PI, and I was asking, or excuse me, I was answering most of the questions posed to this PI, and one of the questions were about consenting. And I began to answer, and the, and the CRA said, I know you know the answer. I want to know if he knows the answer, uh, the PI. So um, you need to be aware for site selection visits, because you may be quizzed on this, what is your consenting process um, here at hey, the site? Perfect, perfect uh, story. I mean, I remember that I was there that day. Yep, yep. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, 
it's usually going to be asked by the CRA when the PI looks like they're inexperienced. And so if you're a site owner and you're not the PI, you need to educate your PI on this. I mean, they need to understand this as well. So this is extremely important. Absolutely. So uh, you want to go through slide three? Uh, let's see. Many, well, we didn't get the third bullet point here. Many CREs forget to take a copy of the SOPs, and that's true. And they'll email you. They may email you after their, their visit and ask for copies of these things. And that's common. And it may not just be SOPs on ICF. It could be any number of things, which may be asked. Yeah, that is, that is common. Um, especially at the site selection visit, they will ask you for the process of consent SOP. They may ask you for other things of your SOP. And then, you know, you might be a little weirded out. Uh, if they're asking you for all these things. But usually, it's common to ask for the process of consent SOP. So you need to make sure you have one. That's the yep. bottom line. Yep. And then you need to make sure you follow it. I would say easily at least 80% of the time you'll be required to give this to the CRA. That's a selection visit. Um, but again, right. sometimes they forget and I'll email you for a copy of these things. They'll forget to collect it at the time. All right. Right. So moving, moving on to the next uh, slide. Um, typical, the, the typical ICF I SOP. Yeah, okay. Sorry for the typo there, guys. It's ICF. We're just testing if you guys know. Yeah, are you We're, paying attention? Yes, are you paying attention? It's ICF. So here's what we talked about. There is no single SOP for consenting patients, but most should be similar to this. And if you've been doing site selection visits as a site owner for a while, you're going to spit this verbatim. It's almost like... Uh, Memorizing the lyrics to one of your favorite songs, okay? So, patient is seen in a private room with PI or another staff member. Plenty of time is made for the study subject to ask questions. A copy of their informed consent is given to the subject after they sign. The patients are encouraged to take the informed consent home with them to discuss with their family prior to making a decision. And by the way, I want to add, if you do that, you need to document that as well. What date was it given? for them to discuss with their family. All risks, benefits, and side effects of this study will be explained, and it is also important that subject demonstrates that they properly understand the potential risks and benefits of the study. So not only do you have to like recite something like this at the site selection visit, but this should be part of your ICF SOP, but then you need to document each time this actually happens in the subject source. So don't ignore that. This is not a one-time you say it to the monitor and that's it. You forget about it for the study. This is what you do just like any other source data that you're capturing. And as we stated earlier, this this could be written out as, as it is here, or it could be a checklist that's checked off um, in your screening uh, documentation. Screening source. Yep. So that wraps up the uh, mini lecture on process of consent. Extremely important. Unfortunately, oftentimes overlooked by newer sites, and uh, you know they'll they'll learn the hard way. So we don't want you to learn the hard way. Absolutely. <clears throat> Thank yep. you very much, Chris. 
So hey everybody, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, And also go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, You can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com and you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.